Hello there, friends. Welcome to episode 84 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matt Bruff, and I'm the host of this podcast, uh, also a pastor and an author. And I'm glad that you've decided to listen in today. This was actually a conversation that I had live on Facebook with Dana Trent, the third one in a row. Uh, as we continue to move through a conversation about ancient wisdom in chaotic times, uh, as uh, we're dealing in 2020, as we led up to Easter, we we're kind of going through this uh, time of uh, isolation as we are, the world is dealing with the coronavirus Um so Dana and I thought it'd be a good idea to have a couple of conversations about this. And so this is the third one of those. Uh, and we deal with, um, we talk a little bit about Easter in this one and the season of Easter tide and what that might mean. So this was originally recorded on the Wednesday of Holy Week of uh, the year 2020. So I hope you find this one helpful again, like the other ones uh, that we're putting on the podcast feed right now. And we'll get to that interview, uh, that conversation with Dana. All right, friend. So tell me about your Holy Week because you are, you're in the midst of it. You are serving a church. Yeah. You are doing Holy Week this week. So what does it look like for you? Yeah. For, uh, for us, we have, we are doing a good Friday uh, service, but um, that's going, look, so we have a YouTube channel that we're working on um, for Prairie Presbyterian church. And uh, we've been streaming our services to that YouTube channel. And so we have a Good Friday at 10 o'clock that will go onto that channel. Um, and then we have our Easter Sunday service. And we're not really doing, in terms of public things, we're not really doing much more than that for okay. a week. And that would actually be fairly normal for us. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we would do, we've done like a Stations of the Cross, something rather for the week um, before or we've done a Monday Thursday before but not every year so our our normal like we never miss is Good Friday service and Easter Sunday we're modifying our Good Friday um, so actually we're going to be streaming that from the homes of three of our our leadership in our church instead of on Sundays we've been going to the church with five people three households so gotcha. um, three people from the same house and then two of us uh, to, to basically do like full music and, um, and all that stuff. So kind of keeping our service, it is close to what we normally do, but then with some Mm -hmm. adaptations, um, and then, uh, but Friday will be more meditative. We'll be a little more like, we're very focused on the story. So we're reading between two of us reading from John 18 and 19, and then having some, uh, some prayers uh, that we're that we're going to move through, and then so that's between two of us, and then our music director will play some piano music at certain points in the service. So we're just going to switch to that. So we're using Zoom to coordinate that on our end, but cool. for people tuning in, it'll just they just go to YouTube and it'll be there. Oh, good. And what's your YouTube channel so folks can find you? Uh, it's just YouTube.com/slash Prairie Presbyterian Church. Prairie Presbyterian Church. Okay. And we'll make sure that we put a a link to that too. The easy thing to do is if people are looking for my congregation, it's uh, Mm -hmm. if you just go to prairiechurch.ca because we're we're Canadian. So we have .ca. uh, Prairiechurch.ca. And that's our, that's our church's website. And then you can get to the YouTube from there. Okay. I'm going to put it in the, in the notes so folks can find it. This is, that's awesome. Y'all are, y'all are doing a lot because um, Binkley Baptist Church has had, we are allowing one person in the sanctuary at a time. So we haven't been able to combine forces in terms of liturgy, music, you know, sacrament, preaching, liturgist, prayer, it all has been separate in separate Zoom windows, essentially. So yeah, that's that's super tough, and I know that depending on where you are, there's been different restrictions on number. Right, of our gatherings are 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 still possible as long as you're under ten people. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then practicing distancing when you're there. So for us, when we're there, we're really careful about everything that we touch gets wiped down. So right. any like in, any equipment or musical instruments, anything like that, all gets wiped mm-hmm. down. 
And then we're always more than two meters apart from one another. Wow. So, and so it's a bit tricky to make sure we're doing all of that, but it is. It. Sure it works. It, it t- Did you ever imagine, Matt, that we would ever in our lifetimes have an Easter like this? No. No, it's no. Uh, it's crazy. Like I know my mom, uh, who's usually been on here, but I think she's like she's on a Facetime call with my daughter right now. Uh, so, uh, but she, her, and my dad are really like upset about that, right? Like they're, um, mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, everybody's upset about it, but not having Easter dinner, like yes. we have an extended family Easter dinner, turkey dinner every every year, and you know. My mom has gone to church every Easter since she was a little girl. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've gone to church every Easter. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, yeah, I just never imagined that we would be in this mm-hmm. kind of situation. Like, it actually feels like a really weird, like, post-apocalyptic science fiction movie. Mm-hmm. But, but, like, with, you know, it just... <laughs> And what actually happens? And then how do we right. think through all of the, all of the repercussions? It's, it's really, really bizarre. It is. It's very bizarre. I certainly never imagined that we would have an Easter like this in, in my lifetime. And then I also think about, I thought a lot about this week about people like you and me who've been to Easter every, every year of our lives, but also those for whom this might be their last Easter right? So we have a 92 year old Catholic neighbor. And, you know, if I were her, I might be thinking, well, I guess last year may, you know, statistically have been my last Easter. And so the heartbreak of that and sort of the, the idea of what we take for granted too, in terms of gathering religious rituals, you know, freedom of assembly, being together. It's like we, we take, somebody said to me the other day, I would give anything just to be in church right now with Mm, my community. Whereas if you had asked me that three months ago, I would say, Oh, I go to church. Maybe, you know, maybe once a month, maybe she said, but if church were the only place that I could go right now, I'd be there every time the doors were open. And I thought, wow, that's really, yes, yes. And amen. And maybe that's one of the many lessons that emerges from this, post-apocalyptic time as you described is like maybe that's that's part of it i don't know yeah Yeah. so um like i see people talking about um well we are the like the people of the church like we are the church it's not the building it's actually not the gathering it's it's the people out there and we are the church but like that is totally true but Mm -hmm. the church is like is the assembly as well like we when we gather, like there's something that happens there. Yes. Um, that is yes. a point. Like uh, someone was talking the other day, I don't remember where this was now, but they were talking about like this loss of identity. Mm. From, I think it was an Anglican who was talking about this saying like mm. not, uh, they didn't have a provision for the Eucharist or for communion mm. in, in their denomination or in their uh, tradition for being able to use, like uh, do that at home and through technology. And so we're saying like, that's so core to who they are that it's actually kind of like feeling like, well, we don't know who we are. Like it's a loss of identity for not being able to participate in the sacrament. Uh, And I thought that's really fascinating um, to think about it. it's it's heartbreaking but it's kind of it is in a way it's like oh like for presbyterians for us that might be for some of us it might be about preaching or about the proper engagement with scripture right um communion yeah. might still be that for presbyterians or for other mm-hmm. churches as well but what is it that we've lost that actually mm-hmm. we're not experiencing just as the loss of that thing but we're actually experiencing as a loss of our identity and, and having a sense of, well, we don't quite know who we are without this thing. Right. Oh, this very cool. tangible thing that also represents a sacred mystery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, it's, it's fascinating. Um, um, we're having communion on Sunday 
on Easter Sunday. You are. I'm just checking in with our folks who are saying hi. You're, you are having community. Now, okay, so how are you doing it? Because I know how they did it last week at Binkley. Oh, and then I'll, I'll read a few comments from folks that are here. You should be telling me how, you, how your church had it. So that I can okay, go. sure. I can absolutely. Let me say hey to these folks. Hey, Sandra. So that I'm glad they're here. This is great. That's so great. Allie is here. Sandra. Um, and Allie, I do want to, we already have one comment. So let me, Azar is here. Azar. Um, uh, Allie. Yes. And I, and our pastor told a joke before. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. So I, yeah. So we've got Sandra and Azar. Awesome. Um, our pastor told a joke and he told, told the story of how when he was a youth group minister in Texas, when he was, um, or maybe it was Indiana, I can't remember, but he was a youth, youth pastor. And one, one of the trips that he took his youth group on, he forgot the communion elements. And he said, so we had to improvise and we ended up doing communion with Fritos and Dr. Pepper. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And his point was that, you know, it can be Fritos and Dr. Pepper. It can be one person connecting virtually with another person or 500 people or five people. Like the spirit of communion is a sacred mystery. It's a sacrament. And so there's no prescriptive element in terms of at least for Protestant traditions of how it has to be. And so, especially when under duress and in emergency circumstances. So what he did was he was in the Binkley sanctuary and he did his normal community communion liturgy. And then he just invited everyone in their home to have a piece of bread and a cup of juice or anything that they had in their pantry, in their refrigerator. And to, when he took, he invited us to also take a bread and cup. And so I think that's really a a very simple way of doing it. And if you give people enough, you know, uh, we're we're trying to let people know in advance. Exactly. Yes. That way they've got bread and juice with them. For instance, Fred and I are attending a virtual Passover Pesach Seder tonight. Mm -hmm. And what what we needed to know in advance is that we needed to get matzah and horseradish, you know, and all, all the things that we need for the Seder plate. But as long as you tell people in advance, it's like, we can make this happen. Yes, we can do this virtually because it's the spirit. It's the essence of the thing that matters more than the actual thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And actually, it's kind of interesting that um, our denomination, Presbyterian Church in Canada, had actually approved guidelines for... Uh, communion by uh through the means of technology uh about eight years ago or nine years ago and it was just a different question that was being asked at the time which was more about like we have communion and we have people who are who are tuning into a, a tv or even a live streaming even then um and is it like is it permissible to be able to do this and so they provided guidelines for that um and sort of how that might play out i don't no one was envisioning applying those guidelines to to this situation but actually they've been really helpful in going well no really thoughtful people have thought this through in another context Mm -hmm. and so we can now apply that to this context uh so that's kind of been interesting to see that one of the things that got stressed in those guidelines which i really liked but made me really start to think about well then how do we do this um, mm-hmm. was the emphasis on when we have communion together, that we do that together. Mm. Community that's doing this. So that might work really well technologically on something like Zoom. Um, right. It's harder on YouTube, which is what we're using because we're streaming publicly. And yes. so what I'm trying to do is just provide some encouragement to people to say, this is our understanding. We're doing this together. And so if you're joining us live, like, that's great. Even if you're coming in later, that's fine. We would still kind of see that as if, if someone was unable to come into the church building for other health reasons or something like that, I, I might go as the pastor and, and if they requested, I could go and, and provide them communion in their home. So we would see a delayed uh, watching of it as in that same category. Mm-hmm. But it's probably not great if somebody's just kind of searching for, I feel like having communion, let me search, you know, what YouTube live stream, what YouTube right. are there for me to be led through that. 
No, it's actually the community coming together to celebrate this. So, and it's kind of on the people to be honorable in how they're engaging with that as a communal spiritual practice, because it's not just an individual spiritual practice. Correct. That's right. That's right. And we will read that very text tomorrow for Monday, Thursday. We will, we will talk, we will look at that text and, you know, look at the actual gathering of Jesus and his friends and what, what the meal looks like, what, you know, what in turn becomes communion. So you're exactly right. 100%. It was very intentional. Um, and so we have to be intentional as well. So yes. I was totally reflecting agree. earlier today. I just kind of went on Facebook Live earlier just to say, "Yeah, maybe later." Like I'm going to be talking, yeah. about and uh, kind of just as I was talking about it, I was thinking about uh, Monday Thursday and mm-hmm. the and and you and you saying you and Fred are going to do a, a, a virtual seder or mm-hmm. something, as well as a reminder that um, you know how is it the Passover was celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Jesus did that with his closest followers. Right. And I was sort of reminded that the core uh, unit for worship was actually the family, the household. Yes, exactly. Yes. And so I just, I thought that was, I, I was like, oh, right. We've lost this ability to gather in our yes. sanctuaries with a large group of people. Mm-hmm. But but when people gathered for these festivals, when people gathered for even mm-hmm. Passover, when everyone was coming to Jerusalem mm-hmm. for temple worship and the giant festival, the actual core ritual is not that. That core ritual is actually coming around the table in your household. Correct. Oh, that's yes. Really that's it. I hope Fred is on and hearing this. Fred, did you hear that? We were just talking about that this week. I'm shouting, I'm shouting out to Fred because he better be on here. Um, Yes, no, you're right. He he was the one who, the Hindu monk reminded me of that. He's like, don't forget that the earliest practices of Christianity, you know, were these meals, these communal meals, a very small gathering. Because we were talking about, um, of course, like you said, you know, going to Jerusalem, for um, observances of holy days, but then later on in very, very early Christianity, Christianity is illegal in the Roman Empire. And so it is only practiced in the family unit or at least that small unit, small group of people inside a private home um, with a communal meal with what ultimately becomes, you know, communal prayer. But you're exactly right. Like when we think about the chaos of, of not being able to gather together, we have to remember that, Christianity endured through through that very um, that very practice of gathering in small groups mm-hmm. and thrived. thrived. It actually thrived. Yeah, thrived. So uh, it's and, and even just think about the original disciples. So they get together with yeah. Jesus on the Thursday. Mm-hmm. Barely any of them show up on the Friday. Right. One right. one one of the male disciples, and then yeah. a bunch of women show up. They get right. it. Like they, right. they know what's going on. Um, yeah. But uh, then they don't see him again. And even on Easter, like we mentioned this last week, so Easter yeah. Sunday, there's this sort of, in the original Easter story, there's this fear, mm-hmm. there's this uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And even when the tomb is found empty, very few, like the women celebrate and rejoice, but it's still sort of this, well, what's happening? Like, they don't instantly say, oh, Jesus is risen. Great. Let's run around and have a giant, like, let's throw a huge party. None of that happens. Like the disciples are staying behind closed doors, worried and afraid. Right. Um, even when Jesus shows up, even when Jesus commissions them in the Great Commission, um, that's, mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking about the Great Commission on Sunday, actually, because that's the, it's the Matthew text, which is the lectionary. Um, mm-hmm. Even there, it says some doubted. Right. They, they came and worshipped him, but some doubted. And it isn't right. until the next big festival, Pentecost, mm-hmm. it isn't until then that now it's a big gathering again. Right. It's really just this these small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of sort of fear and trepidation in those small groups, like and and making tiny little steps, like, mm-hmm. oh, we're down a number for our apostles. Like we went down from 12 to 11 because we lost Judas, sadly. Mm-hmm. What should we do? Like, we do. I guess we find one, we, we draw lots for one more. 
But that's like this tiny little thing, right? Like this tiny little yeah. step. And, and then Pentecost happens and there's some big thing. Uh, so maybe Easter this year will be like more following along that original Easter is kind of how we were talking about this last week as well. Um, but today Correct. the realization for me was that, that that is actually in the story. And the reason why we mm-hmm. set up Easter tide as a season, it happens between mm-hmm. these two big festivals of Passover and Pentecost, um, which was mm-hmm. Pentecost is a Jewish festival, actually. It's not, Christianity kind of takes that over for, uh, for ourselves to right. say when the Holy Spirit came. But actually everyone was gathered again for, the, for a giant festival 50 days later. Um, and that's why Easter tide is 50 days long. But in those 50 days, it doesn't seem like much happens, actually. It seems like it's a lot of right. sort of like, mm, we're waiting around. Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, is, he, is he coming back? Yeah. What's going on? So it's like hope, like there's lots of hope, but mm-hmm. there is not necessarily, there's really not certainty for sure. No, no, not at all. No, it's a very uncertain time. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And and my question to those who are listening is, does that resonate with you? Like if you're thinking about the loss, the grief of a big Easter Sunday, is it comforting to go back, review those scriptures and think about Easter tide as a liturgical season that's literally 50 days long? And what will... I don't know the exact date of Pentecost. I don't have it memorized, but obviously it'll be um, late May. It's late May, um, June. It kind of depends. Yeah. It's... So what will that what will that benchmark, if you will, look like for us? Right. So um, yeah, I, and and Azar said, you know, how can we spend these days in a productive way? And as Azar, if you're if you're still on. Um, this is a great question. Like, how do we spend those 50 days in a, we can even add the word spiritually productive way. Um, and Azar, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, but it's A-Z-H-A-R. So forgive me if that's not the correct pronunciation, but how, how do we spend these days um, in a productively, you know, in a spiritually productive way? I think that's a great question. So Matt, what are some of the things, you know, that are grounding you as you move into Easter and thinking about Easter tide in a spiritually productive way? Oh my goodness. I think, um, like I certainly don't want to give off any kind of perception that I have that figured out. Um, (laughs) I know, uh, right? I feel like it's a lot of ups and downs right now. And I think that that's probably going to continue and to kind of realize we need to be okay with that. So I, I would say before kind of answering that question, we probably need to realize that, we need to also be okay with the days that go completely sideways and, and are not productive. Like we need to realize, Oh, we get to the end of our day or, or even like we spend a few days and we look back and go, Oh my goodness. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. That actually needs to be okay. So yeah, we make some plans to be productive either in work or in our spirituality. I think that's Mm -hmm. good. I think we need to hold those plans really loosely Yes. Um, Very well said. So yeah, yeah, I don't know, but I'm kind of preaching to myself on that. Like I, I I busy myself with all kinds of things trying to, um, I'm really, I'm going to make my, I'm going to figure out how to make my lighting better yet on these YouTube videos. Right. (laughs) I know. It's it's like, it's, I agree. I, 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 this is what week four for us. So I saw, I last saw my, saw my students on Friday, March 13th. So I haven't seen them in almost a month, which is really hard. And I thought that I would be okay. I thought, I mean, I, mean, not, I miss them terribly, but I thought I would be okay without the seated classroom rhythm. I thought I would find my rhythm, sort of a monastic rhythm here at home, if, I, if you will. But I find that there are a lot of ups and downs throughout the day, a lot. And it takes a lot of work just to sort of keep the, keep the um, homeostasis of body, mind, soul, coping, getting work done, doing some creative stuff, having this expanse of time in many ways, but that I find personally, and we talked about this too, I think week one is filling up 
Like, yeah. you know, with all kinds of requests, can you do this and this and this and this and this? And you want to honor all of that because people, you know, are asking you and you really are appreciative, but it's like, wow, this is not going at all. Like I thought it was going to go. Um, so holding, hold on loosely as the song goes, right. Is yeah. Yeah. It's definitely wisdom that we need right now for sure. I, I yeah. think like some of the, some of the basic, like, how do you, like you're, you're kind of pointing to this with like, what does a monastic pattern look like? Mm-hmm. Um, or really thinking through like, what are some fundamental building blocks of spirituality that I, that I ought to have in place? Odd is not the best, but mm-hmm. um, you know, and that might be super simple. Like I think getting back at like, did we mention like mini habits or tiny habits I think we did the first, the first session, but let's review it again. Setting something really, really small to do it and a trigger to, to do that. So if you're never, if you're thinking, ah, man, I probably would feel way more grounded if I read some scripture, but I'm really never getting to it. Like maybe your goal should be one verse of scripture, not I'm going to read through the entire Bible this year. Yes. Um, so set like really set a really low bar, I think, yes. and have have a whole bunch of grace with yourself and with your family uh-huh. members, with the people you share a household with. Um, so how do you how do you practice that grace with with yourself? Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a super important thing, um, and it's I I don't know I, I find too like trying to reflect on my day, I'm actually finding that harder. Like I've, oh, okay. I've found that the examine has been really helpful at times. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a reflective practice to kind of look at your day. Mm-hmm. I actually think that right now that might not be the practice that, that fits mm-hmm. for me anyway, because I'm kind of feeling like each day feels like it's maybe a week long. Oh, and That's then so well said. some days feel like the last thing I want to do is actually review this day that didn't go the way I was hoping it would go. Yes. Um, yes. So, so maybe it's actually better to, we might do better in like three months mm. to do a review of what's mm-hmm. just happened for the last four months. Oh, yes. Like, like that might be way, a way more healthy spiritual practice. Um, yeah. It's kind of the same principle as like people use this in business all the time where mm-hmm. you might review, um, everyone does like their quarterly review and their yearly review, but you can do this in your spiritual life and in your personal life as well. Um, but if you say track your year and you think about say productivity, mm-hmm. often you can look at a year and think, uh, actually a lot of things went really wrong this year. Mm-hmm. But if you track four year periods, you ah. tend to actually see a lot more progress uh, over a longer four-year period. So if you think back, like the Olympics are canceled. <laughs> but, oh, right. But yeah. if you think back to like the last Olympics. 2016. What yeah. actually has happened in my life in the last four years, you end up right. being amazed by the things that have taken place, either that you've accomplished <sighs> personally or things that have been, you've been graced with. That yes. becomes a way bigger, I find that way more encouraging than mm-hmm. if I just look back on the last year. And I think right now, if you just look at the single day, mm-hmm. who knows, you might be encouraged one day and then the next three days, you'll just be, oh my goodness, I don't want to pray anymore because I don't want to do this horrible reviewing practice right. or gratitude practices. Yeah. That might be really hard right now. So mm-hmm. I think actually for some, it might be better to look at external words than mm-hmm. creating and generating these internal prayers. Oh, that makes yes. Sense. Oh my gosh, it does. And it, it goes straight back to the theme that you started with, which is Easter tide is a season. It's a 50 day season. It's not a one day. It's not a one and done. Right. So it's this idea that if this is a spiritual season, how do we measure the seasons, the years in lieu of examining daily where we might edge on this, you know, go towards the side of being really difficult on ourselves instead of looking at the trajectory of growth that's going to happen during Easter Easter tide or that's going to happen during the year or the four years. Yeah. And something like, um, like I'm thinking about like when we're grieving, because we talked about grieving as well. 
when we're experiencing loss, like you don't say to the person who is about to go to their family member's funeral the next day, you don't say, well, you know, like have a gratitude practice. No, you don't. Right? Like, you, you, don't. you let them grieve. Um, yeah. And actually, like I know as a, as a pastor, when I go into those moments, like I find it really hard to know what to say. I think yeah. most people do. Um, and it's better sometimes to sit in silence. And then I just really lean heavily on the words from scripture and then words that have been used in the tradition. So what are the words of comfort that can come not from me, but that I can speak that are not my words. Mm. And so I think actually reading the Bible is a huge help right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Psalms. We talked about Psalm 23. We did. We about the word prayer. Again, going mm-hmm. back to those resources, I think those are huge. And I would also add in, because this is quite different on the other end of the spectrum, I would say centering prayer is maybe, Mm -hmm. I haven't done that myself, but I would think that that's a more helpful practice right now than say the examine. That's actually, yes, yes. I would totally agree with that. I've got it self-generating these. I'm reflecting on my day. I'm being grateful. I'm looking ahead. I think that's great if you're trying to figure something out. If you're trying Correct. to have discernment as to how to behave, how to act, I think it's great. That's why I love that practice. Centering prayer, though, expects nothing of the person who is doing it. Correct. That's right. Yeah. yeah and I it's re- it's tuning in. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree. I think that's a... So if we're looking at sort of the tools we've been pulling together for the past three weeks, we've been talking about the Psalms, Scripture, Centering Prayer looking at faith in terms of seasons rather than days, what happens in the day, but looking over the 40 days, we talked about why that's important, the the importance of wilderness. I mean, there's so many things right now that we, there's so many tools that we have at hand. And I'm very grateful that you mentioned, that you mentioned centering prayer because you're exactly right. Like that is, that's, I'm going to type that in our, um, in our, notes. in our notes too. Yeah. To remind myself. Yeah, we're going to remind ourselves of what we said. Oh yeah. I should try centering prayer. That's a good idea. <laughs> yes. And I have, um, centering prayer in, in one breath at a time. So I've got that. I'm teaching one breath at a time tonight for a church. Um, actually Reverend ha- uh, Carol Howard Merritt. Did you meet Carol Howard Merritt? At Festival of Faith and Writing. Okay. Yes. So I'm teaching it tonight for her church and I'm going to, I'm going to remember what you said and I will share with them your wisdom because that's, that's a really wise idea because you're right right now. Examine is not when you're in chaos and kind of, like you said, a day feels like a week examine may not be the best fit for you at this time. And if it is, that's great. Like, mm-hmm. wonderful. Like, use what's mm-hmm. working for you. But use I, what works. I just, right, exactly. Not, not, uh, that might not be the best thing right now for me anyway. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. Do we want to yeah. touch more at all on, on Eastertide or on how this might be? Do you have more thoughts on that? Like, what, uh, how, how Easter might be? How do we practice Easter, I guess, this year is maybe my question. And actually, it looks like I, I, I had messed up. There's a few more comments. So oh, okay. let me see what folks had said. I was, um, I think, at poor, poor Azar, I think I did all my comments replying to her, but she, but she, she'll, hopefully she'll forgive me. Um, let's see. Let me go back to, I know that Sandra is still on. Hey, Sandra from Texas. She's tuning in. All right, and here's what Linda says. Linda says, interesting to think of what to do compared to how the disciples spent those days. Yes. So if we're if we're looking like at these two spiritual paths of what the disciples experienced in those days and what we're experiencing right now, totally. Um, and then Linda added, I heard on the radio the other day, Keep Me in This Moment by Jeremy Camp. And I'm trying to be more present during this time and how God is using me during this time. That is very, very wise. Um, and so we've got Carol from uh, First Presbyterian Church in Canada. 
she says that Regina will not be having virtual communi- communion. Regina must be a pastor. Yeah. I guess. Regina, okay. Regina is a city in Saskatchewan. It's oh, it was a city. In That's so great. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, hey, Regina, Pastor Regina. No. That's awesome. Regina, the city, will not be um, having virtual communion, but celebrating Maundy Thursday and Good Friday services online and streaming Easter Sunday from Albert Street Church. So, yeah, that's awesome. So um, I want to go back to what, oh, um, and Sandra also said, Sandra, thanks for chiming in. Sandra is reading the book of Luke. And so kind of going back to, because I know you've got a Hebrews text to share with us, Matt. I'm going to ask Sandra um, what verses have resonated with her. Um, Because Luke is such an interesting gospel um, with her, with you. So while we're doing that, and we can talk more about scripture, um, Matt, what is the lectionary text for today? And we can go back to Eastertide to be sure, but I, I wanted to share, look at that text because it's such a poignant text that you showed me earlier. Yeah, there are, there are a couple. So there's there are daily lectionaries. So this is kind of the revised common daily lectionary and um, for Holy Week. And it's um, the one that I'm interested in is the one from Hebrews. Okay. And it's Hebrews chapter 12. The reason I'm looking down is just because I'm finding it in my Bible app now. <laughs> oh, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, Hebrews 12 and just the first, just the first three verses. So there's also, this is paired with um, the story of uh, Judas uh, betraying Jesus, which mm-hmm. is kind of fascinating. But I think these are beautiful words. They're pretty familiar words for lots of people. Um, so it's therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Uh, oh, you know what? I don't love this, uh, this version. I should switch versions right now. Um, I've go. got the NRSV. Yeah, that's yeah, the, what do you, I've, I've, I've got the NRSV. No, I'll do it again. Uh, therefore, since we okay. are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. Isn't and that's that called right now. And that's, Oh, it's perfect. And the pericope literally says the example of Jesus. Right. Um, and I'm going to paste it in the comments too. So, so I wanted the NRSB version because of that. Wow. Let us lay aside every weight. Yes. The weight. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like that as well. Um, and lay aside. Me- I did a reflection on this text. This was brought up by a colleague of mine in a meeting we had yesterday. They were leading a worship today and they just asked for some reflections just in our, in our uh, staff team uh, with the national church with Canadian ministries. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where this popped up for me. So credit to Emily for bringing this to my attention. So thank you. Yay, Emily, Emily, thank you. Um, Yeah, that's a lovely text. And then, um, being present, like Linda said, reading the gospel of Luke, being present in the moment. Um, Carol says that her, <laughs> that their pastor is Amanda Curry, not yeah. Regina. Thank you for correcting yeah. me, Carol. And Amanda, Amanda Curry is fantastic. I've known Amanda for, for a long time since before both of us were ministers and she's currently the moderator of the general assembly of the Presbyterian church in Canada. And she's, had, so cool. and she's done an amazing job moderating the, our General Assembly, which is a, usually a one-year appointment, okay. but for the first time ever, that is now, she's now been extended for two years because there's, we don't have a General Assembly this year. That's a regular annual meeting. Wow. And she has to do the job for another year. Oh my goodness. But, I, wow. she's, but, but she's she does it well. Job. Amazing job. Yeah. It sounds like, okay, wow. Great. That's incredible. Okay, well, thank you for, for clarifying. I'm glad that we can give her <laughs> give her credit. 
Um, I, I love that Hebrews text. I'm so grateful. And Pentecost, by the way, it, Libby says it's May 31st. So we've got our date. So we're looking at April 12th to May 31st. That will be our Easter tide season. Our, our invitation is to, is to examine it, if you will, as a season mm-hmm. rather than Easter Sunday, resurrection day and kind of be done with it. Right. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, something I love about this text, well, there's a bunch of things, but um, it was asked yesterday, well, who are the cloud of witnesses yes. surrounded by? And Hebrews 11 uh, goes through this long, uh, kind of tells stories from the Hebrew Bible about people of faith. So it goes through Abraham and Sarah and Moses and um, and all of the saints that came before. And that's the great cloud of witnesses. So all of these people from before who have who have who are surrounded and kind of cheering i've heard of this is like cheering us on um but i would also want to include in there not just them but that that continues on throughout history um and even extends into today so we can imagine the saints being um this great cloud of witnesses not just being they're, they're one another like we're um as well as people from the past uh and I actually think that um, this even points to how we need to rely on one another's giftedness even more right mm-hmm. now and how mm-hmm. people are individually uniquely gifted. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yet any of our striving that we do, um, mm-hmm. we can do a lot of good things and we can do a lot of good things together. Uh, And we should essentially, like this text says, run the race that is set before us. Right. But we are not the perfecter of it. Oh, Right? Like Jesus is. And we are not seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is. Right? Like, so I find a lot of freedom in this text to realize, oh, yeah, we we are called to do things. Like, we actually we actually should ask the question of how, how should we be productive in this time? Like that's a, that's a, that was a good question. That's, that was a good question. Yeah. That was Linda's question, I believe. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we, yeah, it is, it's a great question. That, if we think we're going to do that to strive for perfection or to be, be perfect in it, then, then that's going to be problematic. Oh no, I got an unstable internet connection. Maybe we're back. Oh, did it go? Th- okay, yeah. Okay, we're so. back. Okay. okay, great. Anyway, I could probably end up doing a sermon on Hebrews. And you not- should. You really should. Yeah, but not is- right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but save your notes for later because that was excellent. That was excellent. And I, I so appreciate that. And it's, um, it's very timely because it go it again it goes back full circle if we're broadening out the cloud of witnesses to even Jesus's first students we'll say yeah. right yeah. so we're looking to those who led led the way for us yeah. um, who showed showed us by example who followed his teachings amid a time of great fear trepidation uncertainty just like you named a little mm-hmm. while ago um, and, and most of them were martyred. I mean, most of them were killed violently and died for their faith. And so, and I'm not, ma- you know, I'm not making that suggestion to any of us at this time, but rather it's this idea of there's no shortage for us of examples of how Christians have um, continued to, as we used the word earlier, thrive amid chaos and suffering and, um, and been resilient, you know, resiliency is no stranger in Christianity. And so my prayer is that we will, um, remember that. And even in our, in our Easter tide season, that's going to look different from any other. Yeah. 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 I think too, another practice that we can do, and this is maybe similar to, it is kind of similar to gratitude practices in a way, but rather than, maybe like letting our letting life happen to us and then going, Oh, do I actually have anything to be thankful for? Um, like maybe we need to be on the lookout throughout our day rather mm. than reflective. Like I'm thinking of like, I, we might've even mentioned this last week too, but John Krasinski's uh, good news, um, 
videos. I don't know if you've seen those. Oh, I haven't seen those. No. Oh yeah. I'll look that up. Um, okay. it's really great. So he's just telling like good news stories and, um, on, on his Facebook page and just okay. does it like a news program though. Right. And it's, but it's oh, neat. Like, colored, a, a little logo for him and stuff. Um, and so if you don't know who John Krasinski is, he was the, from uh, the office. He's right? not, he's on the office is the most. Okay. Famous. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, even just like, where do we see good news? Where do we see new life? Where, where are we seeing that right now? And maybe that's something to reflect on, even if it's not necessarily directly like in your home right now or in what you are personally experiencing, where do you see that? And if we are asked to be, you know, heralds of good news mm. like or heralds of glad tidings is the old language, like that's yeah. what angels were and what the early Christians were asked to be was go and bear this good news out into the world. Well, then we need to be observers of it. Like we need to look for it first to be able to yes. say, oh yeah, there it is. How, who am I going to share this with mm-hmm. that I can say like, here's where I see new life right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like, to me, if Eastertide could be about anything, that's a thing to make it about. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. But that's our, that's very well said. Yeah. And I asked folks in the comments, where are they seeing good news right now? And where are they seeing life right now? And that goes back to, I think it was Linda's comment of being present in the moment, trying to do, she was listening to the song, I think by Jeremy Camp, that draws us into the present. You know, that simple practice, tiny habit triggered by something, you know, it doesn't have to be like a whole list of gratitude or a whole Ignatian exam and practice, but rather What's the bite-sized tiny thing that we can do? Um, and Sandra said, oh, just so before I, just so I don't forget, Sandra said Luke 24 oh, verses yeah. two through three is what she is reading right now. So, but go ahead, Matt. I'm going to hold that up and then we can look up about. Luke 24 now. Luke 24 is so good. Luke 24 verses two through three. Okay, um, we're going we're gonna to find that real quick. Yeah. Um, you have it on your oh yeah so it's just the the early the resurrection story um on the first day of the week early dawn they came to the tomb taking the spices that they prepared they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body yeah the first three verses yeah yeah so it's it's the it's the resurrection story and it gives us hope it gives us a lot of hope because death has been conquered And that is, you know, that's something, that's good news, right? That's where we see life right now. We see it right there in the resurrection story. My favorite resurrection story is, is later in that chapter, the road to Emmaus. And um, so, and Luke is the only one that tells the story about these disciples that are walking uh, to a village and then Jesus comes and walks with them, but they don't recognize that it's Jesus until mm-hmm. until the breaking of the bread, actually. Right. Yeah, and then they, act, they end up, Jesus comes in as a meal with them, breaks bread with them, and then they realize that it's him. Mm-hmm. And at the point of realizing it, then he disappears. Our <laughs> <Right>. story. <laughs> but uh, that, uh, my, my colleague um, will be preaching on this in a few weeks as well. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and this one, I think, is also a story for us mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now because... Part of the point of this story, I think, is it's actually hard to recognize the risen Jesus sometimes. Yes. It's hard to see the new life. Right. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to me as well that when they come back to a simple practice of breaking bread together and they've invited this stranger to be with them, um, that's when they recognize the risen Jesus. And also it's very telling that and very usual for our spiritual life is that as soon as we recognize Jesus or recognize God. Oh, oh, where was that again? <laughs> right, right. That's that's how it is. Yeah, that, it's, that. it's always how it is. It is. You're so right. Yeah, and that that again goes full circle to what we were talking about earlier about identity, communion, shared meals, small gatherings. This identity of we don't know who we are and we don't know who Jesus is until we have that particular sacrament and ritual right. then we under our eyes are open, you know, it's, yeah. 
So these these places of new life or where we might be experiencing uh, the gospel or good news in our lives, um, you right away brought us back to uh, Jeremy Camp. Yes. And uh, that was somebody's comment about that. Um, but it just made me realize we, you and I had talked off, uh, off air just about um, the importance of like artists and, yes. and seeing like that, I think it's been a really great thing to see people putting things online or on social media or doing like social media concerts um, right. and all of that kind of stuff. So like, I think that's a place to look as well, especially because I don't know. I've kind of seen this thing where the news, I can read the news and then I get really anxious. Like I, I, I want to keep reading because I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I've also noticed that in like there's certain circles that I might follow in social media that are pretty angry a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that those, a lot of those have gone either silent or shifted. Oh, interesting. And I've actually become more positive. Huh. Um, like a lot of them have become a little more like not even about COVID-19, just like here's a right. thing right in your day, or they're sharing something that they found like beautiful or whatever. And I thought, that's actually good. <laughs> like there's actually a good thing that has happened here. I know that's not everywhere. Yes. There's lots of social media that is still super negative and political and angry. Right. Right. Um, but I've seen a few of those shifts take place, which I think is yeah. positive. And I think one of those areas has been, there's been a proliferation of, uh, of musicians and other artists that have, that have used their platforms to put out something beautiful mm-hmm. or good into the world. Mm-hmm. And then others have saw, seen that and gone, oh, that's someone I really like and shared it. Yes. Uh, I think that's been a good thing. I do too. I do too. It's been very healing and helpful and hopeful for us all. And you had mentioned a particular artist too, that you found especially inspiring. And yeah. in this. And Steve Bell was the yeah. artist. Yeah. 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 Is there anything in particular from him that you found to be very comforting during this time? Yeah. I'm, well, Steve is a local musician in Winnipeg okay. that everybody should know about. Um, mm-hmm. A Christian artist, uh, and kind of like folky kind of music. Okay. Um, writes all his own stuff. Has had an independent label for like for his, almost his whole career, and okay. helped a lot of other artists. Um, Juno award winning. Um, so he's really really accomplished. Uh, he has started doing uh, a concert kind of thing, a half hour uh, once nice. a week. So he has one tomorrow on Thursday. Okay. Week. Usually he's been doing them Fridays, but not on good Friday. He's going to do that on Thursday. Okay. Um, and I think not particularly, there's no particular song or anything, uh, mm-hmm. that I found like, Oh, that's deeply moving for me, mm-hmm. but I was moved really by his generosity, mm-hmm. not just with his concert, but also what he did was he said, basically, um, any song in his catalog, if any church wants to use that in any form whatsoever, just do it. Go ahead. Blanket permission wow. for anyone right now to just use any of his music, like recordings, whatever. If that's going to be helpful for them doing any kind of uh, worship or anything, they don't have to worry about any copyright wow. or anything like that. So for someone wow. who owns, owns all his own stuff and owns his own label, he's able to do that and just kind of say, go ahead. Um, so for now that's through SoundCloud, but he's also working on developing like a better way for people through his website to be able to access resources and music. Um, so that to me is really incredible, but that's just kind of the person that he is. Mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend people go and check out Steve Bell. I think you can just go to stevebell.ca or stevebell.com. Okay. All right. Either of those. Wow. That's so generous. That's so generous because I know, I know for a fact, um, the, the church that I'm attending quote unquote in, in, um, Oakland is, is, you know, they don't have a music minister. Um, so they're playing a lot of recordings and so, but you know, getting permission to do so is a challenge. And so I found his website. I'm going to post that for people. Um, so if you are a church leader, in yeah. charge of music, that's a good resource yeah. for you. 
And um, another good thing that I would recommend is if you get onto his Facebook um, mm-hmm. and just go back and look at his, like what he has done online. I think there's either one or two little mini concerts that he's done. And then the one for Monday, Thursday, if you check those out, then those are the curated songs that he would choose, choose for the occasion. Right. So if you go and do that, then you listen to that little concert and go, Oh, this is one of the songs. And and he might explain why that's a song that he wants to choose. Then go find the recording. Oh, wow. That's really the narrative. Yeah. Behind the song. That's very cool. Oh my gosh. Well, that's so generous. Are there any folks for you, Dana, that you've, let's see. And I am having, I'm trying to think, I haven't been listening to much music Oh, I know. I know. So I haven't been doing a lot of music in terms of, I've been doing more podcasts lately to kind of get out of my, out of my head, but nothing that has to do really with those. I'm sure. Yes. And well, and they're not really on my podcast. So people can, yes, yes, we can do. So definitely or spirituality for ordinary people for sure. And we'll add the link to that. So spirituality for ordinary people, but also I'm, I'm finding that some writing podcasts are, are helpful. So script notes, Brian Koppelman, um, Dax Shepard, Tim Ferriss. Now the challenge with all of these podcasts that I'm listening to is that there's, there's no diversity really amongst many of these, you know, white male writers. So that's the challenge. But right now I'm finding that I, as a writer, I need to get out of my head and be a student for a little while because I'm having a hard time kind of getting into that creative spot. So that's what I'm doing for the writing side of my life. And then for the religious side, I've been listening to a lot of gospel music. So just like traditional, so traditional black church music, gospel music. And that is thanks to Reverend Carol Estes, shout out to Pastor Estes in Oakland, California, whose services I attend on Sunday afternoon. And so Pastor Carol has been playing, you know, old school gospel. And it's like, like, wow, I gosh, I forgot about these songs. And, you know, you can hear people and people will say after she's played a song, like, I remember going to revival when I was 12 and singing that song. And, you know, and so for me, that's where the religious music is right now. It's kind of, kind of going back in time to childhood days for those, I call them, you know, my Jesus hymns and my gospel music. And so that's well, finding I've heard, I've heard of folks who are um, like binge watching worship services. <laughs> yes, yes, that would be me. Yes, that's what I'm um, doing. And then, and then your other thing, kind of about your writing. Like we know you're a writer and a great writer. Um, and uh, and so, but like others who I've heard about that have said, "Oh, I'm taking an online course," or yes. I'm like people are like going and, and learning something like. Something that's again back to the productivity question, like yeah, learning a new skill or doing something, or like I watched the the Winnipeg Zoo videos I mentioned last week. Oh, right, exactly. Those. Then I had a friend who was on the news this morning um, talking about um, uh, seeding seeding plants, and so my wife has her own seeds started, but then uh, my daughter and I just watched like the three minute. Uh, news segment of our friend who was uh, who's um, an expert in that who was on the news today so we watched that segment so like those kinds of things are like I don't know I feel like that's a little bit of uh, well it is new life because they're seeds they're growing but mm-hmm. um, but a little bit of uh, good news to kind of say hey there's someone we know and isn't she doing yeah. a great job and then sending her a message we watched and it was great you know oh, um, so trying to great. send little encouragements to people yeah just keeping each other encouraged. Yeah, I agree that that is... Which is again in the Hebrew text, right? Hebrews that, text. Exactly. Yes. Going back to the that scripture, not, totally. That you do not lose heart. Don't um, lose heart. And actually there, it was less about like, how do you encourage each other to not lose heart? But how are we looking right. at Jesus? That actually yeah. looking at Jesus is not about like feeling bad about yourself and is not about... Um, oh, I'm following Jesus and Jesus is telling me that I've got to do all these things and get everything done for him and live this holy and pure life. Uh, actually looking to Jesus and keep your eyes fixed on him. And that text is saying so that you do not lose heart. Right. That's right. 
we do know is hard. Like, oh, let us remember that. Good thing to be looking at Jesus to not lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Oh, this is so wonderful. Are we for today, Dana, or were there any more comments that that come in? I think we've got, I think everybody has left their comments and we've put up a couple of links for everybody. I'm going to add spirituality for ordinary people. Of course. Um, Spirituality for ordinary people. Um, Podcasts. Mm -hmm. Thank you to everybody who's joined us for these conversations. And I hope that people are able to enter into Easter tide, into this season of Easter, and uh, see places where there is new life taking place, and mm-hmm. really experience the love of Jesus, and to know that the Holy Spirit is actually active in this world. It can be hard to see sometimes, just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, but I think in some of those simple moments, we have the opportunity to recognize when God is present with us. Uh, so I hope, I hope each of you find that in this coming season. Amen, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you for that blessing. Thanks for listening, everybody. And you can um, share the video. I know Matt's going to keep it on his page and then it'll be on the podcast as well. So. Thank you, Linda. Thanks, everybody. Linda says, thank you for having these conversations. So we're grateful for everybody who tuned in. All right. Thanks, Matt. Blessings.